You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Hey, what's happening, Every Nation GTA? Sivua here, all the way from Johannesburg, South Africa. It is beyond a privilege for me to share the message with you today. Uh, when I was still a teenager, I used to listen to messages by Pastor Bert Thompson when he was still out in Nashville. Uh, that was years of, years ago, as you can tell, way older now. I don't know. Pastor Bert is probably 102 now. I don't know, but all I know is that he is strong. He keeps going as I watch your guys' services every now and again. And I just want to extend massive honor to Pastor Bert and Pastor Sheila. Um, your ministry, your words impacted a little kid all the way out in the townships of East London, South Africa, uh, when I was still a teenager. Thank you for the life you've lived. And again, thank you for the invitation of getting to share the word here today. And also to my comrades, all the way from South Africa, and now they are with you out in GTA to Pastor Richard and Chantel. It was such a great privilege to hang out with you for a moment, uh, Richard, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, your story, your life, what you uh, and your family just have done moving to Canada has just been such uh, an amazing story to hear and to repeatedly hear in different contexts. So again, to be in your presence, not just with your leaders, but as the entire church, even virtually, such an honor for me. Your church's story just precedes you in different parts of uh, the nations of the world. Uh, this is my family. I've been married to my wife for 13 years. Her name is Marsha, a better Christian than me. Thank Jesus. She is amazing. Deep love for the Lord, deep love for people, a woman of wisdom and discernment. Uh, and everyone I know just likes her. It's hard not to like my wife. It's just the way that she is, right? Uh, and then I've got three kids. My daughter, who's the eldest, she's 10 years old, uh, brilliant, um, just absolutely smart and amazing artist already at her age. And then I've got my son, who's six, he's six years old. I mean, his name is Kuze, is a sports fanatic, literally sleeps with a soccer ball in his hand. And then my son, who just turned one, Last week, Lonoabo, um, and uh, we're just super grateful as a family, even over this crazy time of COVID, how it's just brought us closer together. And so that is us. I know you have been going through uh, a series called Summer Mix, different messages from different people, uh, mainly from the book of Psalms, allowing us to go through uh, deeper reflections of who God is, but also consider how we can respond to those realities of God through prayer. And today, I want us to consider all the way in 1 Kings chapter 3, one major question. How can we be a people of depth in the midst of a crisis? Uh, I don't know about you and your nation. I know slowly but surely things are beginning to open up and hopefully uh, August, September, there should be some degree of normalcy in your world. But in my world, the last couple of weeks 
have been nothing short of crazy. Now, South Africa is a beautiful nation. And when you have time, you should come out, bring your family, hang out. You will love it. The people, the scenery, it's amazing. The last little while, we haven't just had a surge with deaths from the pandemic, with infections from the pandemic, but we've also had just social upheaval with people looting and burning buildings, just going into malls and taking whatever they want without any sense of control, self-control. It's been tough. It really has been. As I'm sharing this message with you, about a few days ago, two men broke into my mother-in-law's place, locked her in a room, and ransacked the house. As I'm talking to you right now, this is just a couple of days ago. But I'm in hope. I'm in so much faith. You see, darkness is not a reflection of a lack of God's presence. And sometimes I think the way we process God's faithfulness in light of our circumstances can make us miss the presence of God even when there is crisis. You ever, you ever had those people who go, who go uh, man, I'm blessed based on their circumstances. And when their circumstances change and they seem terrible, they go silent. They think they're not blessed because... The situation is bad. No, bad situations don't change the reality of who God is. What makes us a people of depth in the midst of crisis? What allows us to be the kind of people that I'm sure you've seen, right? When, when, when they going through crisis and you come around them, it's almost like the, the inward orientation of their lives is so rich with life, rich with hope, rich with joy and peace that you find yourself being more encouraged by their life, even though they seem to be in the midst of loss. And, and you wonder that you came to encourage them but you've walked out with more encouragement that, that somehow whatever it is that is inside of them is leaking and it's blessing your life. And it just doesn't make sense. What kind of people are these who in the midst of crisis, they outlive, they outlast and they even get better when things have been tough. I want to suggest that this kind of people are a people of depth. Now, we could speak about a lot of things when we are talking about being a people, being a community of depth. We can talk about obedience. None of us are greater than our ability to obey Jesus today. We could speak about love. Right. Uh, one of the pinnacle chapters in the Bible of love is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where a guy by the name of Paul speaks to a church out in Corinth. And basically, here's what he says. He says, if you don't have love, all you are as a church is noisy. So you are. You, you, you have the bravado of a loud noise on the outside, but you're shallow on the inside because you lack Love. We could speak about love, but today I want to speak about one thing. That is this. We 
are a people of depth based on the things we ask God for in the midst of crisis. We are a people of depth based on the things we ask God for in the midst of crisis. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 5 all the way through to 15. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this your great people. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for your self-understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for his servants. Father, we love you. Lord, we are asking that right now, wherever we are watching this from, your presence would be rich. We are asking that you would open your word to us, that we might understand, but that you would also allow us to respond to your word faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Solomon is the son of King David. Now, if you don't know, King David is just famous in the Old Testament, right? Famous even in the story of Christianity. King David was a nobody who was chosen to be king, anointed by God, called aside by God, and and he ended up taking on this guy by the name of Goliath, wiped him out. Goliath was this super 
unnatural giant of a man. David wiped him out. The people of Israel loved David. He ended up being the king who unified the nation of Israel. And the Bible says that this was a man of the God's own heart. Try follow that. Imagine Solomon. He's not just the son of David, but he's the successor to David. The entire nation is looking to this young man, Solomon, going, we hope you're like your father because your father was quite cool. Your father was quite good. We loved your father. And, and all this expectation is on this young man. And so he goes up to the mountain of Gibeon after he sacrificed all these animals to try and worship God and he falls into a deep sleep. Isn't it interesting the amount of times God loves to visit people when they're sleeping? Have you ever wondered why? Think about it. All the way in the book of Genesis, a guy by the name of Adam, uh, the first human being according to the Bible, God causes him to sleep so that he might create Eve. Another guy by the name of Abraham in the same book, Genesis, God also causes him to sleep. And then he comes into a contract, a covenant with Abraham while he's sleeping so that God might say, I will not only do my part, Abraham, but I will do your part. Maybe God loves visiting us when we're sleeping because he's attracted to a posture of surrender. Now I get it. We, 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 we love to think that, man, when I, when I'm worshiping, when I'm doing this, when I'm doing that, God will find me then. That is true. But sometimes God allows us to sleep and he speaks to us in our dreams because the posture of surrender is so attractive to God. He, he creates great things when we are surrendered to him. So this is God. He comes and he speaks to Solomon one simple sentence. Hey, Saul, ask me whatever you want, anything you want, and I'll give it to you, anything. Imagine for a moment if God took your prayers, just you, right? Separated your prayers from everybody else, and he took your most earnest prayers, and he shaped your nation based on your prayers. He, he shaped your community, your church based on your prayers. That literally, what would it look like for your life in comparison to your enemies if God just answered the prayers of your heart, the earnest, diligent prayers of your heart? What would it look like? And in this moment, God is coming to Solomon and he's saying, you can ask whatever you want and I will give it to you. And what Solomon asked for is so different that God is amazed. The Bible says he's pleased that Solomon would ask for an understanding mind, a heart and a, and a mind that responds, hears and responds to God. But also he asked for wisdom, the ability to live skillfully in the world. This so outstounds God. This so like amazes God that he doesn't just give him what he asked for, but he gives him everything else that he didn't ask for. This prayer leads not only the people of Israel into a, a, a season of just richness and a, a blessing, but so many other nations begin to come to Israel to seek 
great wisdom from Solomon. One prayer, one man's prayer, one earnest man's prayer answered by God changes the lives of so many people. Are you asking God for something yet? What are you asking for in your prayers? You see, because the kind of things we ask God for reveal the level of depth in our community, reveal the level of depth in our lives. What are you asking God for? Now, before Solomon asks, he says two things that this whole sermon is based on. Here's what he basically says. He says, I remember your steadfast love to my father. What's he saying? I pray with a view of God's faithfulness. Secondly, he says, also, I'm responsible for stuff now. I'm king. So there's there's two things we're going to talk about today very briefly. In order to be the kind of people who ask unique, different kinds of prayer in the midst of crisis, In order to be the kind of people who walk and live in depth, we need to have a grand view of God's faithfulness and we need to have a sober, healthy view of our responsibility. So, first point, view of God's faithfulness. Solomon says, and now you you, you have been faithful to my father from the beginning. And even right at the end of his life, you have proven to be faithful to him because you had promised him that from him, there will be a, a seed from him that still stands on the throne. You promised him that his lineage will still have someone who will stand on the throne. And here I am. I am on the throne. I am David's son. Now, Solomon doesn't have early onset amnesia. He is not forgetful of David's past as much as he is honoring David in this text. As much as we all know David was this great man, a man after God's own heart, Solomon also knows uh, David was a bit of a mess, uh, that David actually messed up a little bit. If you don't know his story, when kings were supposed to go to war, David stayed at home and he hung out on his balcony and he looked to the other side and he saw a woman bathing. Her name was Bathsheba. And and all of a sudden, David used his power and authority to go and sleep with Bathsheba. And then he went on further to use his power and authority to kill Bathsheba's husband. See, Solomon knows the story because Bathsheba is actually Solomon's mother. The story is not too far from Solomon. He knows that as great as his dad was, his dad was imperfect. And so when he speaks about his dad in this text and he speaks about how he's upright and he's been faithful to God, he sandwiches his mention of his dad with these two points. God, your steadfast love has been with my father. What's he saying? Even in my dad's greatest moment and even in his perfection, you have been perfect toward him all the way till the end. Your faithfulness has been steadfast towards him. Therefore, before I ask anything, I am reminded of how faithful you are. 
I want to encourage you today by saying this. We need a long memory of God's faithfulness if we are going to outlive and outlast our crisis. We need a long memory of God's faithfulness if we are going to pray the kind of prayers that are not based on our emotions, but are based on a richness of understanding, the kind of God we serve and follow. A number of years ago, my wife and I went through a particular year that was crazy. Just the thought of me thinking about that year just makes me sigh a little bit. About mid middle of the year, uh, my wife and I got a call. It was a Sunday afternoon, never forget it, to say that my wife's cousin, who was 25 at the time, fell from a third-story building and died. She was a chartered accountant, successful young lady, absolutely amazing. Just like that. Fell from the balcony of her house and passed away. It wasn't even a month after that that my wife's brother, who had kidney problems and was told he was recovering, suddenly, one night, passed away. Two months later, my wife's uncle, who had been sick but not so desperately sick that we thought he would pass away also, passed away. Then, soon after him, bear in mind this is all happening within the span of about four or five months. One month after him, my wife and I lost a child. I I was in a meeting. She called me and she said, "I'm I'm, I'm at the doctor's. We've just lost a child. You need to come now dropped everything, went uh, went to her, saw her, put her in the car. We had to go find another hospital because she, we had to find a place where she could give birth to the dead child in her womb. And I'll never forget, we're in the car and she turned to me. She wasn't being rude or weird. Uh, and she just turned to me and she said, so pastor, what plan does God have for this moment? And I said to her, I don't know. All I know is that you and I need to hold on right now. That's all I said. It would be unfair for me to tell you that even in those moments, God wasn't faithful. It would be unfair for me. You see, God is not just faithful when he brings us before the presence of kings and we are walking in success and everything is going well and we are back to normalcy in our nation. No, no, no. God is also faithful when he carries us in the most darkest moments of our lives where we feel like we cannot carry ourselves anymore and he somehow in his mercy, in his power, in his faithfulness holds us by the palms of his hands. He is faithful. He is faithful when we have nothing. He is faithful when we have everything. He is faithful because he cannot be unfaithful. And I'm thankful even in our losses that we didn't lose him. Max Anders says this. He says, the thoughtful believer recalls God's faithfulness in the past when confronted by any threat. Part of spiritual maturity 
is a strong sense of one's own history with God. See, this, this was true even with the people of Israel. Moses had to remind them to continuously remember God if they're going to walk into their destiny. Every nation, GTA, remember God. Have a long memory of God's faithfulness. Remember what God has done, not just in your life, but in the lives of other people and the lives of the people reflected in the Bible. Have a long memory of God and you will outlast outlive the crisis in your life, but also you will pray prayers from a place of depth, not from your feelings, not from urgency, but from a view of God's faithfulness that is so much more wider than your current circumstance. Are you praying yet? Are you crying out to him yet? From that place of death, are you calling out to him saying, God, please do this. Secondly, <clears throat> Solomon doesn't just speak of God's great faithfulness and the view he has of his faithfulness. He speaks of the view he has of his responsibility. He, he, he says this. He says, I now am king. I, I am but a child. I don't know whether, how to go out and how to come in. What's he saying? I'm, I'm inexperienced in this whole king thing. I need your help. If you don't help me, the nation of Israel will be in trouble. If you don't help me in my marriage, if you don't help me in my work, if you don't help me in the dreams that I have in my heart, if you don't help me in my parenting, if you don't help me in my finances, I am going to mess this up. I need you to help me. Solomon's view of his responsibility is one of trusting God. You see, we live in a world that prizes people who pick themselves up by the bootstraps and they do it for themselves. God knows we need a whole bunch of people who can do stuff. But sometimes a unhealthy view of responsibility can actually lead to pride a deep sense of anxiety and even burnout because it's all on our shoulders. But what Solomon is teaching us is that there is a healthy view of responsibility that actually leads to accountability, action, and humility. That, that, that actually there's a, there's a way of looking at what you and I have been called to do, the decisions we are called to make that can allow us to walk in them without anxiety, without being crushed by failure or uh, uh, having an exploding head because of success. But instead, we can walk into our responsibility with a partnership with God, with a trust relationship with God. This is why Solomon writes later on when he's speaking to people who are making plans, they developing ways of doing things, things that must get done. And, and he says to them in Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Are you responsible for something? Trust in the Lord. Trust in Him. 
There is a difference between believing in God and trusting God. You see, the Bible says even demons believe in God. But to trust God is, is different. It's, it's to allow His words to be the defining factor of your life. It's to, uh, it's to allow the, the, the actual life of God to be the life in, that, that you get life from. It's to, it's to lay your life down. And to trust that he will pick it up. It's to allow the word of God to define this is who you are. This is what you do. And to believe that when that happens, God leads me into the life I am meant to live. To trust God is to not just believe him, but to be loyal to him through everything. See, do you trust him? in your responsibility, in all that you're supposed to do to bring about human flourishing, do you trust him? Rich Philodus says this, he says, the suffering we see in the world isn't just to make us grateful for our own blessings. The suffering is to lead us to pray and work for peace, right? That, that we ought to declare prayers to God, but also we ought to take responsibility and work for shalom, work for peace, work for human flourishing. That's what we ought to do. So in my context, I have responsibility to lead a new church plant. Every Nation Bryson, we planted this church Right before the pandemic broke out last year, here is picture one of uh, our church service. And then a few months after we had planted the church, bear in mind, I've never planted a church before, nor have I ever planted a church in the pandemic. There is no book that says, here's how you plant a church during a pandemic. The next picture you see is the church during the pandemic. The physical church, at least, right? We still were online, much like you. Still were connecting with people, people in connect groups, and so much happening. But you see, I had an opportunity as a new church planter last year to be discouraged. To, to, to let what seemingly seemed like loss to get to my heart. But here's the thing. To have a healthy view of your responsibility. To, to trust God means that even with the second picture, I know, hey God, this is your church. You are building your church. You are a faithful and a good God. I trust you. And every nation GTA, I can't tell you just the amazing reality of all that's happened uh, with this little church plant over the last yeah, since over the last year and a half, since we planted the church, we've seen close to a hundred people give their lives to the Lord, uh, whether they are committing for the first time or recommitting to the Lord. We've had the privilege just over the last year and a half of being able to, to give away serving people in the community to give away close to about 450,000 rand to serve in our different community. We've seen people get into groups, over a hundred people get, getting into to connect groups. We've just seen new connections of different people, people getting baptized, people uh, uh, just 
being generous and helping their community or people going through COVID. So many stories I can tell you. Even as I'm speaking to you right now, we have a mission team going all the way out to Burundi to go serve that church out in Burundi. I can't begin to tell you the amount of blessings, how we have seen God come through. You know why? It's not because of what I did, but it's because God builds his church even during a pandemic. God builds his church. My job is to make disciples and trust God. Trust him to do his work. As I close, I want to look at one last part of the text. You see, it's important that we have a view of God's faithfulness. It's important that we have a view of our responsibility. But there's something that 1 Kings 3 verse 15 says, that I think is so pertinent to this sermon. It says, And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. You see, he, he realizes it was a dream, and he wakes up, and he goes to Jerusalem, and he responds to the word that he had received by worshiping in Jerusalem. This gripped me for a number of days, because I kept asking myself, Am I awake? Am I awake? Or am I just busy? Am I just going from one thing to the next, thinking that the more I do, the more awake I am? Am I awake? Are you awake? You see, the the reality of Solomon is this, is that as much as he was awake in this moment, he didn't stay awake for the rest of his life. Later on in his life, he started intermarrying with different women from different nations so that he might create treaties in order to protect the nation of Israel and himself. He stopped trusting in the faithfulness of God to protect him. He stopped being awake. He stopped living in light of the word. Now hear me. If we are going to be the kind of people who are awake, we need to live in light of the word of God. Yes, there might be challenging circumstances of all around you, but if you are living in light of the word, you're awake. And the reason this is important is that we need to be awake to see God fulfill the prayers that we pray to him. We need to be awake like Solomon to see God impart the wisdom that he cried out for. We need to be awake. We need to be living in light of the word to allow ourselves that when we go through crisis to anticipate that even in this God will show himself strong because he's faithful. And in my responsibility, I'm trusting in him. Therefore, I live in depth because the things I asked for even in the midst of crisis, are not a reflection of the crisis. They are a reflection of his faithfulness and my responsibility. Lord, help me to be awake through it all because I'm living in light of your word. Father, we thank you for each and every person watching this. I pray for the spirit of God to touch them. I pray for us to be encouraged, to be emboldened, to be the kind of community that asks prayers of you come from the depth of knowing that you are faithful and that you have given us a responsibility that we can only fulfill when we depend on you. And so, Lord, I ask that as we 
continue to pray, as we continue to cry out to you, as we continue to reflect on your goodness and faithfulness, I pray that you would help us to live awake, help us to live in light of the word, so that, Lord, we might see your faithfulness in the land of the living. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org. 